listen and subscribe to The Table of Truth on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Uh, welcome everybody to the table of truth this is your man cam this is a blurred lines edition with me as always is the return of the intelligent brother with a library card the most dangerous man in america how do how do as 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 well as (laughs) that would be you josh hey this is josh (laughs) aka the, the dark elf the six foot dark elf (laughs) <laughs> and as always too this is D aka the villainous professor <laughs> I, I like this I like this guys uh, happy holidays we just finished up our Thanksgiving you guys doing good yeah, you man. Know, I like to take the land back from the white man but no <laughs> just kidding <laughs> Yeah. Just kidding, but not really. I know. Someone was like, uh, it was like, oh, friendly reminder. I just want to let everybody know that Black people and Thanksgiving have a, a different meaning than what y'all think about it. So, yes, it is about they, they came over and did a horrible, horrible genocidal thing. But as Black folks, this is a time for us to connect with our families, chill with our peoples, eat some good food, and keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, this now, yep, not discounting anything else, but just let just y'all know that's what our focus is at this point. <laughs> Day off for a big family dinner. <laughs> exactly. Um, but also, you know, the this longer weekend also dropped us a bunch of stuff that we were watching. And so we were all kind of catching up on certain things. Um, first up, we were watching uh the return of Star Trek Discovery. And uh and hey. And, uh, you know, uh, as I call her, Kirk 2.0. She is she is now uh, she's now the captain of the ship. Uh, It's a black first black woman, captain woman, uh, captain of the star of a Star Trek ship. Wait, we got a black woman. (laughs) 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 Commander Michael Burnham is now Captain Michael Burnham. Hold on, it only took what uh three seasons and uh about ten thousand star dates Yes. Star Trek uh, Discovery, so- aka Star Trek the Crying Game. Yes. Okay. So, Cam, we we've all we've been watching it, we've been on this journey. Uh you haven't. So basically the gist of Star Trek Discovery is this is a uh science vessel earlier around the same time as Enterprise, pre-Kirk. <clears throat> and um, this is the first show that centered around a character that's not a captain, because all the other Star Trek shows is actually captain after, after Enterprise, but before Kirk. Yeah. yeah. So you're you're before you know Captain Kirk and Spock and all them, but you're still a, a little bit in that same realm, maybe you know a number of years before it. So, anyways, um, this is the first series that focuses on a singular person that's not a captain, because that's usually the main thing. It's always a big deal. Who's the captain is? You know, we got Cisco, the black man, and we had, you know, Kirk and Picard and everybody else. And so this is the first time where the character that you're following is actually not a captain. 
And she's a black woman that is that was raised on Vulcan, so she has a very lot of Vulcan like situations. But she's still a black woman, and she's a human, so she'd be knocking people out. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this: Let me ask all of you guys this. So all these outside of the the movies, all these iterations of Star Trek are all in the same world, and but they're in a, a linear or somewhat of a linear. Like every one of these shows you watch is it's placed here before Kirk, post Kirk, Picard. The entirety of it all can, it's all in the same world. They all exist. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, relatively speaking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I say relative because time and space is a big, is to do time with. is a flat circle. <laughs> exactly. In, in, uh, <laughs> right. and even with, uh, workings of time and and how the you know these characters in that begin at one point and then they're somewhere flung somewhere else that's like you know hundreds of years into the future so you know it's gets complicated in that in that regard as well when you when you're trying to think about the scope of the the star trek's lineage of what 50 plus years now yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, so, actually. So I don't have to watch Deep Space Nine or Voyager to understand this new world. And none no. of the Star Treks work work that way. You can just jump into eighty one and it stands on its own, right? Yeah. Yes. Relative, for the most part, kind of, sort of. Yes. I mean, it's one of those things where like the stories can exist on their own. Yeah. But it's kind of an enhanced experience if you have the full picture from all the shows. Like, right. but, and so just so. The only thing that that doesn't exist in the same way in the same time frame is the J.J. Abrams Chris Pine movies. Those what three movies? Yeah, those three movies. Yeah, three. Yeah. You can kind of watch those separately, and it doesn't really reference anything. But there's there's one Discovery episode where they reference that timeline because they because mm-hmm. <clears throat> they do a a pretty good job of making it so that yeah, so everything is cool and sort of chugs along in the same timeline up to a certain point and then kind of kind of cuts a u-turn and goes somewhere else but, but it's not even a in discovery like, like, yeah, yeah yeah the jj abrams movies yeah that was that was a thing <laughs> okay but it, it, it's, it's not abrasive where it's like dang this is like really not canon and the rest yeah of yeah like that's like like enterprise would be one of those things that kind of got weirded out but this one they did a pretty good job yeah. of kind of fitting it fitting it nicely and within a, a certain realm so it's like if you as a star trek fan watched it um some of the criticism is like ah oh, it's not so star trek because of x we'll get to that part later mm-hmm. but it fits into a place so familiar people show up uh if you know like yeah um like just for instance like this particular character her uh foster brother is spock because they grew up together so they're actually like basically like a siblings at a certain point. And so Spock shows up and it was a little, I was a little kind of hesitant because I was like, I don't know how they're going to do this, but they pulled it off pretty mm-hmm. well. And Wait, it was which, bit, which Spock? The, the Kirk J.J. Abrams Spock? Spock. Kirk, yeah, Spock. Oh, no, no, he's an actor. No, no he's, he's a totally new uh, actor yeah. unconnected to the to that. Yeah, um, okay. But same know, Spock, you know. Nimoy is a few years uh Pass after before during this period, so yeah, it's like I think his name is Ethan Pope or something like that. Yeah, um, he did a good job though, and also they and also because of someone like you know the Vulcan people are like they live for fucking ever, so they're hella old. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that he could be around in this this realm. So you see a less polished Spock. So he's a little bit more angrier. He has more uh, ambition, like 
uh, emotions and all that kind of stuff. And you get to kind of see how that kind of develops, which is kind of cool. <coughs> oh, you, wait, so, you said this is before Kurt. And I, yep. I like the tethers that they, so they don't OD with the references back to, uh, back to previous shows or, or any of the movies. They do a really good job of just like sprinkling it in here and there, you know, so that it's not heavy handed. And it's literally usually just one line of dialogue. My, me yeah. and D'Angelo's favorite phrase. Um, it's usually just one line of dialogue. We're like, yeah, you know, so uh, back when Captain Kirk, blah, 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 blah. And then they yeah. just go off to whatever thing they they were referencing. Yeah, they did that recently, uh, not to jump ahead, but there was a name drop of Picard, uh, you know, and it was just oh, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. there was, this happened for a, a famous, an admiral. Um, I think Picard was his name. And so like, if you know, the Star Trek realm, the mythology, hearing Picard's name drop on Discovery is kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, but there, there's levels to it. So they'll have some like that. And then there's some that's actually so. Uh, so I think the there's one moment in Discovery that where if you didn't weren't familiar with the unification or or that that happened on TNG, you would that some of the stuff would go all completely over your head. And TNG, I mean uh the next generation, Star Trek, the next generation, the early nineties um Bad. Star Trek <clears throat> to the original show. Um so there it's it flows back and forth, but you can watch it and not feel burdened by any having knowledge of any of those shows. Yeah, and so that, that brings us up to our the season four where a lot of stuff has happened up to this. But anyways, Black Woman is now captain. She's, you know, she's she's got her little swag on. She got a new suit. She got a nice little thing. And I call her Kirk 2.0 because in the previous three seasons, she literally is kind of like reckless like Kirk. Like she'd just be doing shit and... And she just figures it out, <laughs> flies by the seat of her pants. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But she's just like, she's usually the shoot first person. And she's always like, you know, first person to go on the way mission, go to rescue this person, that whole like adventure person. And now she's a politician. And so now her being a captain, you know, her first instinct is like, well, I'm the best person to do this job. Let me go do it. But as a captain, you kind of have to weigh those options now. And so she's getting a little bit of that pushback, which is in the first in the first episode, I thought they did a really good job because like something major happens and she's like, well, I got to go do this. And someone was like, whoa, 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 you're the captain. Should you really be doing that? And she's like, I mean, I'm the best person. Why would I pick somebody else? Yeah. And the person kind of reminded her like, yo, you're a captain now. You can't just be like jumping right. out of the airlock to go save somebody that, you know, whatever. You still got a thousand other people to think about. May, may I yeah. interject real quick? Uh, so before she became a captain, she was doing everything she could to keep her position, right? Kind of. Like, she was doing some wildness. Like yeah. She got a lot so, of skills. So, sounds about being black and, get, and getting that 90-day promotion or probation. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Because yeah. even, yeah. okay. even uh, the, the show starts off with her doing a reckless act, which gets a captain killed, and then she gets sent to the brig. And so that kind of, like... Because she thought what she was doing was right, got somebody yeah. killed, and that put the total change. Yeah, she gets like full blown court martialed, stripped of her rank. She gets sent to like the a penal colony or whatever. Yeah, the and whole then nine. she gets yanked by by the dude who was the captain of the Discovery at the time to help out with like a war with the war effort. Because basically, her her causing her captain's death started a war. Yeah, I was so, going to say yeah. She she it wasn't just that she. Cause the captain's death that was bad enough, but that act, that very act, initiated uh, the Klingon War. Yeah. Okay. So right. 
So so she wasn't allowed to pick her jurors. <laughs> I don't think the court martial works that way. <laughs> I don't think a military court martial works that way. Parallels here. Just saying. Just saying. So, so, I get you. I, know, I see you. I see you. So suffice to say, now we're up at the point where the first seat in the first episode, she's the captain. She's like kind of cool because she's happy that she's the captain, but also she's seeing the limitations of it as being now got to work with within the, the, the lanes of like politics and that kind of stuff. Right. And mm-hmm. so that that's kind of like the first episode, which I thought was pretty good. It was very uh, Star Trek-y, like had a lot of the Star Trek themes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. A lot of meeting meeting new aliens, uh, balancing politics, a little bit of emotion stuff. And it was very, very cool. Then you got to episode two, and this is what Discovery is kind of like their downfall. There's a lot of crying and emotions in this in this show. <laughs> so, and that so is a major crying. complaint. That is a major, major, major complaint. All four seasons, people complain about just the amount of crying that happens in the show. Yeah. And I mean, I've sort of resisted that up to this point like up up to now i've been like eh, you know it works it's not like it's you know uh emotion for no reason or emotion for motion sake like they they there's a cause and effect um and that that holds true for season four but it's like all right man and you're like y'all been doing this for four seasons now b <laughs> <laughs> like, all right even, even i have to agree that there's an excessive that this is excessive at this point yeah wait when you, when you, when you say crying sorry well, the, the crying part I wanted to get. So is it crying after every tragedy or? Well, it's not just the crying after every tragedy, but the sheer number of tragedies that causes the crying. <laughs> gotcha. yeah. There's just a lot of emotional beats and like yeah. every emotional beat, there's always some type of crying. And again, kind of cool, but that they have that, you know, some emotion in it, but then they kind of yeah. like overdo it sometimes. Because it like, makes yeah. sense. I mean, each time that it happens, it makes sense that people have, you know, they they <clears throat> they do a really good job of, like Cam said, creating emotional beats and sort of really putting you in what the, what each character is feeling, whoever is impacted by it, and that's good. Except that they do it so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I don't know if I agree that they that they succeed on that last point you just made. I, I think that what they do what they do well is they have this established, like you said, a lot of conflict in the narrative that precipitates some some emotion. But I think the right. problem with that is we're looking at people who are supposed to be this more disciplined in that and supposed to have. Characters are to have more control over their their emotions and specifically their water ducts, you know, <laughs> a little bit their tear their tear tears a little bit. But I think uh the problem overall that I found with Discovery in terms of getting to that point is that Star Trek is norm is usually, and this is probably an adjustment that I haven't met, just haven't allowed myself to make is usually a story that focuses not just on the captain, but on the captain's crew and not, and <clears throat> not just like, okay, they're there, but no, they, they each add a unique hero's journey to this story of 
these wonder these wayfarers in space you know data wants on on uh the next generation data wants to be human uh wharf trying to balance uh being the only klingon member of starfleet but also very proud of his heritage and all these there's nuances to him you know him from the beginning and they add to who the captain is picard's kind of rigid uh very by the book um uh as a captain. So then you get here and this story is a, a, a singular hero's journey from the beginning. When we, we were first introduced to Michael without a crew, um, it's about her. And then it starts to transition more into her with a crew, but no, never along the way did they, besides maybe two people. And I think three characters that, that being George Al, um, uh, Saru, the alien on the ship and uh, Tilly, they've only developed those three characters alongside Michael and just barely. So right. now we're at a point where she's the captain. She's in the captain's chair. Um, you have a narrative that's constantly moving forward. It's not stopping. It's not slowing down. I mean, big stakes stuff. <laughs> uh, and so all of that's jumbled into the fact that uh, again, the narrative's moving fast. Lots of things happen. It's all high stakes, high energy. It's all about Michael. Um, and with each incident, it's either world ending, someone's about to die, or discovery is like two minutes from being completely eradicated. Uh, so there's tears and all kind of emotion. And and uh, it just puts us further away, at least in my opinion, put it fur- puts it further away from... I think what you enjoy about Star Trek, because you do enjoy those relationships between the the captain and and his or her crew and them being present, not just, oh, that guy is there and oh, she's a great pilot. We know that about Detmer. She's a great pilot. I mean, she can fly anywhere. Yeah. And I think that's (laughs) the bad part. Like at this point, we're at four seasons and like I like we just learned the Asian dude's name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's like dude, there's a black guy number one they get this guy a brand new black guy i'm like where'd you come from and there's like yeah. this random blonde chick that just like popped up in the background i'm like yo who are you people <laughs> yeah who are you and what's funny is blonde chick that that just popped up was the same uh the same actress who played arium in what in uh oh in, in discovery the robot the robot oh you're right Oh, same wow. actress. Yeah, I forgot all about that. I just forgot. That was like yeah. back when the series. And see, was that's the problem because Ariam right. was that's... a dope character. Uh, uh, that's the problematic bit. I had yeah. to work that hard to remind you of a key character in season one and two. Yeah, and it, well, no, only Very season fine. two and only for one episode. Sorry, I don't even want to overblow it. And that's the problem. They do not develop. They don't bake these characters nearly enough. Uh, the character if we're talking them, about, Cam. If, if she, any one of them died, you'd be like, eh. <laughs> right? And that's so to to my point, to the point <laughs> I'm just about to make. Uh, the character I'm talking about, um, she's been there all season one, all of season two, somewhere in the middle of season two. They decide to make her a focal point, and it's a dope episode. And just as they start to develop the character, she dies. <laughs> <laughs> So one episode of but, character development to try to create some sort of fake, um, <clears throat> so to create some sort of faux emotion. And I don't want to say faux emotion. It was a good episode and it did the job, 
But I think the job would have been done better if they spread all that exposition and all that character development out throughout even just a few more episodes before that. Was she black? No, she was not. Yeah. Okay. There is a black. There is a black chick. She's a navigator, and uh, her name is. Hold on. Awashikun. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) As the resident Star Trek nerd, I'm the only one who knows. And I but, bad, but she don't get no lines. She it's true. She don't get no. She get no shine. She but gets barely, she gets barely any lines. She chill. Yep. She she gets the obligatory. The shields are down to twenty five percent. This week she had to say that with a mouthful of blood. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Come on, man. Like you could have gave like come on. This Wait to their credit way. though. All the black women on the show, their hair is on point. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and Michael had She had Brett Gerard. I was like, okay, okay. So there's someone's thinking. Someone's yeah. thinking. Okay, right. so That's let me let me ask you. Green is great Michael. She really does make the show. Um, I just want to say that Sonequa Martin Green, like she, I'm very glad that she got out of the Walking Dead and got and found this show. <laughs> I just want to add that. Oh yeah. Okay, so let me ask you three. As someone that's like, I'm familiar with the Star Trek universe in some form. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up on it. I watched the J.J. Abrams movies. With this new show, Voyager, Voyager, right? Is it what it's called? Discovery. 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 Excuse me. Discovery. Um, can I just pop back in here and watch and be okay watching, or, or will it be like a waste of time? Or just is just so much going on in this universe that I'd be lost. Or could you just no, throw me in I here? The no. first three seasons are stellar, in my opinion. It, it, it meanders a little bit. Well, no, well, hold on. What are we? Season four, right? Season four. Yeah, the first two. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My fault. My fault. My fault. Yes, the first two are absolutely stellar. The third season meanders some, and we're and lands the plane. Yeah, huh? it's watchable. It's still yeah. watchable. Yeah, yeah. it lands yeah, yeah, the plane yeah. at the end. There, there's yeah, you're one right. specific aspect of season three that is absolute. Just once. Once there's so there's the mystery and then there's the 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 cause of the mystery before they can solve the problem, and the cause of the the cause of the mystery is absolutely just it, it falls so 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 flat. Wow. <laughs> it falls horribly but, flat. But you but can watch. Cool. You can still watch it because that's a subplot, and the main thrust of the of of the season, which is basically like the big bad, absolutely great. It's underbaked. I will I will confess I will concede that it's underbaked, but it still it still works and it's still the best thing about the se- about season three. Mm. Yeah, and I, okay. said, I think bottom line you can hop into the show from the beginning and the stuff that you do, it's like what you know you know what you don't. Yeah, it's, it's not like, big. It would be exactly. to what you need to know for the discovery narrative. You need it's going to be there for you. Right. All the other stuff it's for the nerds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's just Easter egg references. Sometimes it comes into the world, but it's not going to ever impact your viewing. Yeah. Okay. So and now, Cam, you watched. Uh, well, you finished Arcane over the week. Yes. Finished so that's uh, Arcane's the uh, the League of Legends animation, which is really crazy because one, I've <laughs> never played League of Legends in my entire life. It's a super popular multi million dollar franchise industry. People play online, Twitch, the whole nine. It's been been like this for like five years. I want to say six. I think um, I was actually me and Pope uh, intern with uh, because of uh, 
for Blizzard or something. No, for IGN. Um, not even injured. We were uh, PAs, and they had a um, StarCraft tournament, a League of Legends tournament, and I still didn't understand the game. But <laughs> this this year alone, though, uh, League of Legends dropped Arcane, which is an animation series. What ten episodes was it? Ten episodes. And then they also dropped a um, a video game called Ruin King, which is kind of um, harkens back to old school um, turn based uh, like Final Fantasy style um, like uh, a gameplay, and so. That's kind of made a couple ways because like League of Legends is not like I mean again it's it's a very kind of a nerdy game if you like it you like it but if you don't you have no reference of it so when I came into Arcane I was watching it cold and I was like pretty much blown away. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, I am very unfamiliar with this multiplayer online battle arena game or MOBA as people in the game genre like to reference it. Um, it's very huge in the gaming community. Um, it has a, a large community. Um, and I saw the trailer for this uh, randomly. And I was just, the the eye candy of the animation caught me. And I was like, oh, League of Legends. Like, I have no clue what this is about. Um, once I watched the first episode, uh, I was in based off the animation. And then once... A new for me, I'm a new viewer of this world, and once I got involved with this world, I wanted to understand because anybody that understands the whole world of League of Legends, there's so much to explore. And what the animation has done in Netflix is taken two main characters, Vi and uh, her little sister Powder, <clears throat> and basically dropped us into this section where it's uh let's see like what it tries to do it's trying to i guess explore the dichotomy between the rich and the poor but what the netflix series does i think really well is they don't make it so black and white there's nuance and context behind the actions of the rich and the poor and why there's a separate faction between those two um but this is basically an origin story between these two characters and throughout the 10 episode series we watched them develop and grow into deeper characters and there's a um since you guys haven't seen it, i don't want to spoil it but there's a an event that happens where there's a rift between the two characters and then they come together based on circumstances and they're on the opposite ends blah 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 and we have this story that unfolds but what we find out, which you're going to find out, is do they reconcile? Do they uh, recapture that glory? Um, but we also encounter all these other characters and 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 um, why things happen for a reason based on being rich and being poor, the haves and the hand, have-nots. And, and Marvel is like, okay, this is Wakanda. It has everything over here and all these resources. Why aren't these resources allocated to everybody else that needs it? You know, um, yeah. now they did a good job of like having questions when those because I, I think that's the one thing like when we watch uh, like a Marvel movie like Wakanda is a great example where it's like, oh, all these black people are all smart and like they got money and they live in good places. It's all this technology. But what about the other black people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is basically Killmonger's whole you know thing. So and I think in this world, they're just like, OK, this is the you know, this is the. The aristocrats and all that stuff and everything's all bright and shiny and there there's uh it's more of a steampunk world with a little bit of magic 
the 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 main city it has shunned magic because it was a, a big thing happened to it that destroyed a lot of people so they like we're just scientists we want to do pro- progress and then you go down to the slums and the slums is like whoa why what like and they've, they've you know they've basically the slums so there's drugs there's violence there's this you gotta you know scrap and so they do a really good job of juxtapositioning both of those but they also do a good job of showing that each character is uh, fully well developed and actually has some type of depth so if it's like a group of kids each kid has a, a, a distinct personality why they're part of that group you know what's what's their kind of role and it's done really well in a way that pushes the narrative forward and then on top of that the just the animation is just done like, real, from an art nerd situation concept art and creative and uh and like environments and everything are just fully fleshed out and like each character feels like their own situation even the way they're dressed and how they like move and stuff yeah, yeah, the trailer, I the trailer definitely lends itself to a lot of that, a lot of what, what I what you described is what I saw in the trailer. Um, what's the style of, like the style of animation like that's that it's rock solid. It's like it's it's pretty unique. I don't think I've seen anybody use yeah, that. Yeah, so what, so what they did is um, way of creating a character concepts yeah so it's um it's 3d it's um cg but then what they did is they tune shaded and tune shaded is usually like a flat shading to make uh cg look like it's like almost hand drawn but mm-hmm. the way they did the texturing is almost like a painted style so then everyone right. feels like it's like they're painting like almost every like basically they they took concept art like how usually we would do something for concept art and like painting wise mm-hmm. and they just let mm-hmm. that be the main style for the whole show and then because they do that, it just gives a good feel and like a really like when it's in the bright um, when it's in the city, everything's bright and like shiny and there's like white and gold and like silver. And then when it's in the slums, it's like dark and gritty, dark greens, dark blues, you know, uh, slabs of brown and all this other stuff. There's like mm-hmm. uh, mutants and mutations and you know augmentations and all that kind of stuff. And so like mm-hmm. concept wise, like as a, if I was if I was teaching a class like this would be amazing to talk about because like they really, really do a good job of contrasting these types of characters. And when they show these characters as they grow, you see the growth. And in the what you saw at the beginning of the show, and as you get to the end, each character still has a little bit from that beginning, but you see the a visual growth as well as the actual narrative growth. And that's something that for me as a as an art person, and then also too mm-hmm. as an animation film, I haven't seen that in an American animation in a long time. Like, mm-hmm. mostly you see this type of stuff in anime. Like what you mentioned with the tune shading, what I noticed with tune shading is it usually looks really flat, and this mm-hmm. seems to have a lot of a lot more three dimensional a three dimensionality yep. to it. Yeah, a little yeah. more. Yeah, hundred yeah. oh, percent. Let me let me add something that I just read recently. Um, so we're talking about so the, the hook for me was the animation style, and I'm reading something here, and they said uh, quote unquote. Having said that, animation is a different medium than video games, so we also had to adapt the characters' animation and create our own style. Their goal was to find a good balance between realism and cartoon style. Since their characters have a semi-realistic proportions, they have to move and behave in a realistic way with weight and solid body mechanics. But to keep the appeal and avoid any uncanny valley effect, we also had, or excuse me, they also had to bring traditional animation techniques. That's why they didn't do motion capture, but only keyframe animation that allows them to control the acting performance and aesthetic. Nice. Yep, one hundred percent. And then also, Ice and American is the studio is actually in France. Damn it! <laughs> What's the studio? The studio is actually based in France. Oh, uh, for it's like Fora Tech, I think it is. Let me double check. I always forget. Um, yeah, I think it's Fora Tech. 
Yeah, okay. Fortech Productions. Um, and they also do the other thing that they do a great job of. It is primarily CG, but when they have dream sequences, when they have a character having a psychotic break, then they add in just flat, regular old two, 2D uh, animation onto it. And they put it on it's, top of it, which gives it a different flow. There's another one where there's a fight scene where two characters are about to fight, but instead of showing it in like and they they actually do some great action sequences, but in this this these two characters, um, they knew each other from from when they were younger. So then the they animated in an almost like an old school, not old school, but in a two day two D way that has almost like a playful kind of a kid like they're like they were just playing when they were kids when they were friends. Now they're not friends, so they just do a lot of little touches overall. Where it's like, okay, you definitely hang out with the Pixar people, but you're not doing Pixar <laughs> stuff, <laughs> and you're really paying it because you know we all know that one thing about Pixar is their stories are always good. Like they have yeah, the base. Right. It you know something has feelings. Is Pixar is basic. <laughs> yeah. Put it like oh. this. Put it like this. You don't have to be a League of Legends expert. The world is overwhelming. And personally, I have no desire to get into that world. Same with uh, the movie Dune. Like, you know, I just want to jump into this. But the smartest thing that Arcane has done has, like, they really focused in on two characters, two specific characters. And I think that's the smartest thing could have done with a project like this. But um, it has a tightened focus on such a gargantuan world that it gives new people who are not familiar with this, a very good insight of what the whole world is based off two characters, two popular characters. Yeah. Okay. So these are not just random characters. These are well-known characters in this world. Yeah. yeah. Like for us, I was so, watching it just cold. I was like, I don't know who these people are, but this shit is amazing. Yeah. So scale of one to 10, guys, what do you, what are you thinking? Eight, I put it, I, I put it at nine, eight, nine. Like, yeah. Really? Like, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm being eight because I don't I don't know the world and I can't compare it to my knowledge base. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving it a ten, but I'm giving it an eight. Well worth my time. I binged it in two days. Oh, Your eight is an average person's nine and a half, so that's a high. Yeah. That's high grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, was, I, was, I was. Look, I gave I gave what if what I gave what if a ten because <laughs> I I was just loving it. So right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, I would. Um, I would I would actually give it a ten purely because of on the um, technical side too. It just like mm. visually, it's freaking gorgeous. Like I want to buy I want to buy this art book. Like I want to see how they did like a lot of this stuff because each each main character is just done really really well, and they they just do a great job of like also too. There's a good mix of types of characters. So all the black characters have well black skin, whether it's a little bit darker or a little bit shit. Like they just look good, and like you're you're really. There's a part where you see the mom and then the, um, the daughter, and then the mom has very uh, mom black mom characteristics. <laughs> yeah, but and she does it. They did a good job in the voice acting, and and on top of that, I'll give it an extra point five because uh, Avastarella is one of the the voices too. She has the best voice in in all of her acting. Uh, <laughs> old lady, the old lady from uh, Expanse. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. To that is Madam General Secretary to you, Cam. <laughs> so I think it's I think it's Sh- it's Shaoray. Like that can't be right. No, don't <laughs> do it. The actress who plays Avatarala will suffice. Yeah. 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 Hey, don't 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 have your tongue break dancing trying to pronounce her last name. For real. Just now. I'm like, wait a minute. I just tried that and completely failed. I'm looking yeah. right at it, but can you but, but it, it, it for me I liked it a lot and it, it just basically 
it gave me more hope because I'm glad that stuff like what if happened and like all of us are all watching Young Justice and that kind of fit. And now this fits in that realm of like something that is worthy of our time. And I just that's why I was like wanted to make sure that you guys got like hear from both of us because like, yeah, this is put this put put this one on your list and and get back to us because it's it's pretty dope. Yeah. If, if you don't watch it, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. How many episodes is the first season? Nine, ten. Ten. Okay. Ten. So ten episodes, and you know, just because sometimes you know Netflix series, you know, they're up and down sometimes for me. One hundred percent. On average, so you're saying this is definitely like one of those really among the better of the. Ex- yes, one hundred percent. Put it like this: I watched two episodes day one and watched the rest the next day. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. That yeah. that okay. All right. All yep. right. Cool. Yeah, and that's uh, that's that also kind of like what I was talking about before because we all watch Young Justice and um and Young Justice just wrapped what six episodes seven six I believe no yeah, I think we're seven. six or six or seven yeah six yeah. or seven we're it's season four and um yeah man it's uh getting kind of crazy getting kind of crazy okay so disclaimer. <laughs> I don't have HBO Max, so I stopped on the first two seasons. I'm <laughs> caught up to that point. So anything new, I don't know what's going on, but I can still say I still vouch Young Justice. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it's so much better, bro. It, it just gets exponentially better as it moves along, man. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think the the um, I feel I feel so bad because like I watch Young Justice and like I saw these guys they watched the uh, Titans, which just wrapped uh, what two months ago I think or last month, and last so month, they finished the third season. Yeah, it finished the third season, and I I've, I stopped on the first season, and I'm like, all right, do I need to come back? And they're like, nah. <laughs> yeah, no. As long as there's a Young Justice, you don't really need to bother yourself with with. With Titans, I know it's, it's a live action, almost equivalent, but not so much. Yeah, we were wrong. Yeah. It was, it's eight episodes in, so there's there's they just dropped the eighth episode mm-hmm. on November twenty on uh, Thanksgiving Day. Okay, so yeah, what is a uh, tight? What is what is this, what is the streaming platform Titans is on? HBO Max on HBO Max as well. Yeah, gotcha. At this point, man, it's it, Titans is just <laughs> Titans has a ton of promise, and it should be way better than it actually is for the players that they have, mm-hmm. for the arcs that they the, the arcs that they lay out are great. It's just the execution. It, it's I don't want to say hit or miss because I think the first season was really good. I think the second season was okay. Third season was good, but ended kind of flat. Uh, and this last season, where are we on? Season three or four? Three, three. three. So yeah, this. this so yeah, so yeah. Sorry. So first season. First, so they broke it up. Sorry. First half of first season was rock solid. Second half was so so. Second season was dope all the way through, in my opinion. But it ends really flat. And this third season was just, it started out with a ton of promise and was really, really good for the first, I want to say two episodes. And then from like the third or fourth episode on, it just, it's a downhill spiral. Yeah. And a lot of just like throwing things in again, I think comparing it to young justice and the way that young justice uses, um, 
the DC universe in a much more, I think, mature way, narratively mm-hmm. speaking. Um, in in terms of using the familiar characters, oh, we know that Batman, Superman, and the Justice League exist, uh, so we're going to focus on the the sidekicks, the kids, and it starts off as a coming of age story, and then it morphs mm-hmm. into you know their sort of teenage their post high school years where they're you know really into the thick of, of being superheroes and things like that. With 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 Titans, it's just that stuff isn't there. It, much like with with what we mentioned with Discovery, Titans should be a show about each and every one of those superhero characters. And instead, it's a show solely about Dick Grayson. And then when you move into the season two and three, it's a show about Dick Grayson and the Bat family. And so I love Batman. I love the Bat family stories, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just saying. Like I, I think that when you have story with with Young Justice now, it's about everybody. Like it's not just about if Dick Grayson isn't on screen, you don't miss Dick Grayson, but you love when he is on screen. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? And Young Justice, I think in general, like they do a great job of dropping in characters, and then it's like, say for instance, something will happen. And they're at the watchtower, and then all of a sudden, you know, they need they need one of the jets back in the show. So they, you know, they call whoever's away in space, and then he pops up in his cyborg, and he's like, "Yo, Superman, what's up?" He's like, "Hey, I need you to get back to Earth because we got this thing popping off." He's like, "Bet I'll be there in whatever time." Done. Literally two a minute scene, but it just drops cyborg in, and he actually, mm-hmm. you know, in previous season he was actually a pretty main part of it, and in this one he literally is in there for two seconds. You know who he is, you get it, and then you keep it moving. And so I think a lot of times in in Young Justice, they do a good job of just having characters pop up and like you don't need to know their whole story. Or if you've like mentioned them some time before, you know a little bit about them and you're just like, oh, that's right. They all live in this continued world where I think um, from I only watched the first season of Titans. And so like in that they were starting to do that kind of well. But Young Justice pulls it off a lot better where it's just like they have multiple characters and it, you don't feel like it's too much. Like they just use just the right amount of amount and they give them just enough sign and then kind of push that narrative forward. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think like, Young Justice does a really good job of managing a really large ensemble because it starts out with just a, like five characters, I want to say. And at this point, you have pretty much the majority of the of the league like they're they start out as sidekicks and then they're like full-fledged they're like young adults at this point and you know it 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 does a really good job of a adding in character like cam just pointed out uh adding in characters with kind of casually like they just kind of drop in sometimes they're introduced sometimes they just pull up um and it's just it's it's a really good they do a really good job of managing the ensemble. Like there's at this point, there's like easily like 12, maybe 15 characters and they could pop in at any point. Plus, you know, just the ancillary characters that it's not really about. And they just do a really good job of managing an ensemble in a way that doesn't feel like it's crowded. It feels like there's a ton of people, but at the same time, they know how to focus in like, this season, they started in started out with just four characters, and they focused on those four characters. But everybody else is in the periphery. Then they then they pivot after thing happens, and they pivot to the reaction to the thing that happens with the rest of the team. 
And it's not even the, all the entire team. It just, again, focuses in on one, two, three, four characters that make like a quick pop up. But they focus in on one character in specific and her reaction to things. And then from there, it just sort of it's a natural outgrowth of the reaction to the thing that happens. And then, you know, other stuff happens and just and it, it, it's, and it keeps it moving. It, I it's think just they, really well managed, man. It's really well yeah. balanced. I think and from do, a narrative, oh, a narrative perspective, it's also very different than what we've seen from not just previous DC, but superhero animation in general, where especially episode of TV, where, you know, you have one episode, things happen. The next episode, things happen. There's no, nothing that's, they're not employing the serial drama format, where this is totally serial format in that what happened in the previous episode carries over to the next and then the next and then the next um, to create a long forming arc that um, is beginning, middle, and end each season, but it's continuing to build towards a, a in the same way that the MCU built towards Thanos and what was happening, and you have all these things, these sub-narratives going on. They're always there, but they exist within the world, and as you go, you get the, the small things and the big things, and it's come. It's building towards a culmination. We haven't got there yet with Young Justice, but just the way that they built that up. And I think to Josh's point, um, what they don't, what they do, because I don't think the cast is that much bigger than the. Now that I'm thinking about this season one, they focus primarily on the team. The team has gotten a little bigger, but the emotional weight of the show in the story is always filtered through Mm -hmm. the very same protagonist. It's never um, going too far off of giving us these random characters just drop in. Oh, now they're hogging up all of the screen time. It's like, no, the emotional weight, the anchor of the show is still with the team. And, those uh the characters who are young justice yeah nah, definitely and they make it to the point where you know like kind of like what they're talking about about bat ink like i'm not a batman fan so that would just be annoying but for young justice <laughs> batman will show up and he just shows up sometimes he says something sometimes he doesn't joker's in yeah. there for like two seconds and he's not the main there. like joker's there but he's there as a villain in this universe not as the yeah. villain and same with batman right, right. And Superman. so like they're all there but the story's not about them. And then I think by doing it that way, they allow to open up the whole world of the DC universe because they have tons of characters and some of them are actually, actually pretty cool. And then other ones to their credit, they've created them within the show. And some of them now are debuting into the comics now, which is actually pretty Mm -hmm. dope. That's a, that that happened with um, Harley Quinn because she actually debuted in um, the Batman and the animated series first. And then they, they introduced her into the comics later. I'm going to say this. Uh, as far as Titans, now I, and amongst my circle of friends, and you guys are among them, uh, I am known as the hater. So when you disappoint Josh, an avid <laughs> comic book <laughs> optimist, when you disappoint Josh, you drop the ball. Oh yeah, because Josh sees no loss in that is most a fact. things. That when is you a got fact. Josh hesitating, saying, "Man, it feels flat." Uh, and he's doing these and he's making gestures. Y'all messed up. That is a fact. That, coming from me, no shock. 
coming yeah. from Josh, you're like, man. So anybody who's listened to us go back and forth know that I'm always yep. with the hate, and Josh is with the puppies and positivities. But when you <laughs> Josh on on the thing he loves, and he usually finds no fun, he finds fault. Uh, it's looking a little suspect. Yep, exactly. And the another thing that like all of us watch, but Cam hasn't, is uh, Lovecraft Country. And we like really enjoyed it. And then we're, you know, it got one season. It did a solid job. It was enjoyable overall, I think. Um, there's some parts that are, you know, technical things here and there. But overall, it was pretty good. It was dope. You know, Black Woman was the showrunner. You know, good cast. Jonathan Majors was doing her thing. And then now, just recently, we have a book that's coming out that's basically saying the reason why Love Country, Lovecraft Country didn't get a second season is because there was a toxic work environment created by the showrunner who is a black woman and that kind of adds to a lot of host of things which a is almost like normal in hollywood that the showrunner sucks but now that it's a black woman it's like uh oh <laughs> okay so pause real quick uh so i read the article um yes i'm not familiar i'm familiar but not familiar with the world however mm-hmm. um how do i want to say this um don't oh, slander black women now. No, 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 no. No, uh <laughs> no, no, no. Uh it, what I want to know is there was it was asked why wasn't it uh continued for a second season. We were mm-hmm. apparently told something different. Money. Yes. And mm-hmm. what yep. was the there was another thing. Yeah, what they put out there was the budget. There possibly wasn't any more story to tell because I, right, yeah, first, yeah, yeah, that was the other thing. Yeah, the first season is primarily based on the novel by the same name, Lovecraft Country. So, they, yeah. I think they covered, they pretty much covered the entire first narrative, uh, first book. Well, there's yeah. only one book, they covered that whole. And then the showrunner, uh, Misha Green, she was like, wait, uh, here's my, I had a whole bi- like second season Bible that I was working on yeah. that showed that, no, I had a, I had a plan for sec- second season, so that's BS. So then yeah. the other one was budget, which is like, okay, that could be something. But then now that this, this uh, allegations are coming out, that makes everything change a little bit. There was also the, um, the HBO... <laughs> Uh, he's they mentioned him in the article, but I forget the I don't know the exact name, but uh, he had mentioned before the show got canceled that Misha Green was at work on already writing season two, which mm-hmm. then she proved was true because she presents these sketches, these the whole um like you said, the world, the Bible of where season two was going to go. It had even had a title, <laughs> uh, uh, a hyphenated title or a colon title, Lovecraft Country, I think was supremacy or something. That was, yeah, was, something like that. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so it's a re- it's kind of a perplexing story. I think I didn't buy any of the uh, the reasons this was not something I expected to come out. I think for me, when I first heard it, it, it was canceled, I read the reasons why I didn't buy it. And then when Misha Green released her, uh, you know, the sketches and all that stuff, I said, oh, okay, it makes sense. Something else happened. They wouldn't have just cut that show because right now they're trying to fill that space of kind of um, uh, 
I won't call it high because it's not, but that sort of high end production value of, of TV story that HBO is, is known for. Uh, so why get rid of a show that kind of checks off a bunch of boxes? You, you know, you, you, you have a, a great, sh- a great show that has a black woman showrunner. Um, it was definitely prime, prime to win some probably continue and be really successful because again it was different and a lot of people loved it so it just the fact that it just went away didn't make sense so i was half expecting something to come out i didn't expect it to be that she was uh uh the problem or i have a quick hot take go ahead cam and when you're wait, done is, i have a hot take okay so is lovecraft country let's be honest is it really is it actually really good it's good. Yes. It's good. It has, it, yeah. I like, like a lot yeah. of shows and specifically some that it's a little overly ambitious, I think, uh, especially with regards to its use of music and, and certainly with, <laughs> yeah, the, with the narrative, with the story. Uh, you know. um, but it's not like bad. It's not bad storytelling or that they they were doing, uh, you know, it's like, oh, that doesn't make any sense or that's... Uh, that character is, you know, or that this, it, I think it, it was more so just like some things felt a little bit like, uh, okay, as it might not be, if this was with a more seasoned show runner or someone that handled this genre or, you know, it probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have felt as odd with some of the episodes. Like some of the episodes just felt a little bit like, okay, that needed some to, that script should have went back to the drawing board or mm-hmm. had a few more drafts before they, they shot that. And and the only reason I say this is just to add some context, because when we watched, uh, oh my God, Power Man, uh, I'm using the old name. Uh, what's his? Oh, uh, oh Luke Cage. <laughs> Luke Cage. Uh, so, okay, so, so this is the reason I asked, I say this, and I asked this question. Luke Cage, we all were up in arms because, you know, I always say the worst form of Justice is uh, representation. And when Luke Cage got canceled, everybody was like, oh, they took off the black show. I was like, no, the show's bad. Yeah. It's actually yeah, not it a good show. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't a great show. This, this, this is not good. a black and white thing. It's just yeah. bad writing. It was yeah, terrible. The writing wasn't good. Yeah, the writing girl. wasn't good. No, like, this isn't yeah. the case with with uh, so, that's yeah. not the case with Lovecraft Country. Yeah, Lovecraft Country so, is, is pretty my, solid. They do do a, um, some trauma porn that they kind of keep harking on after a while. But I thought overall, like a lot of the themes that they do, a lot of their weaving in of uh, current of the v- events of that time period, they did a really good job. Um, there's also there's definitely some eye roll moments, but I think in general, like I think it's a solid uh, for someone that this was like her second show or third show that she show she was a show on her second, I believe, yeah, second for yeah, someone that's running the show uh, for the second time, yeah, yeah. And not even on some like, is it good for just because it's a black show? But like, I don't like horror as a genre, but this was a horror kind of show. And I, I watched the whole thing and it was just like, oh, this is dope. Like they, they did a really good job of it. So in that so, respect, I think it. But go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. I, have, I have a hot take. If this was a white showrunner, we wouldn't be having these discussions. This wouldn't even be an article because you hear all kinds of horror stories about all kinds of dudes who do all kinds of crazy and all kinds of shite on 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 film sets and on TV show sets, 
And you hear about them after the fact, after the shows have had like a five year run and this person was impossible to work with and all this other junk. And, you know, it, it, to me, this is I hate to to I, I, I never jump at at articles like this saying, you know, you're just trying to tear down a black woman. But this kind of feels like that. Like, so what? Like, yeah, OK, she was a crappy showrunner. Let's assume that the article is 100 percent accurate she's a trash human being and a bad showrunner who just happens to have a talent for this type of show like she's just a bad showrunner in terms of the interpersonal let's assume that let's assume that's 100 percent right how many other times and three of us have worked in to have and do and or do work in television right now how many times have we heard stories about terrible executive producers or terrible producers or terrible story producers or some other person that's in a position of authority and in charge that is a terrible human being, but happens to produce halfway decent to average, uh, average fare. This is not to me, to me, this should not be a, 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 a news item at this point in 2021. We have heard myriad stories about people who work in the business that are just trash human beings who happen to have either failed up because they're white males usually, or, 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 you know, otherwise figured out how to game the system or they're good at what they do. The, the, the trade-off is just that they're terrible human beings or not great human beings or just not good interpersonally. Yeah. D you, you, you wanted to interject. Well, no, I was just going to respond once you were once you were finished. I just wanted to add to and just respond to that. Uh, um, I think for me, it wasn't. First of all, this ain't this. This is this is kind of news of the newsy of the day type of thing. I don't think this is going to uh, impact Misha Green either yeah, either which way because um, the other thing is, and my problem with these reports now. If it's true, I'm not going to excuse bad behavior, black or white or, you know, whatever it is, you know. But I think, A, there's better ways of handling this type of thing. And then, two, these, this accusation has come from a book from an unnamed source. Like, you know, who is the people who are making these accusations and why, have, why aren't they saying these things? And, um, you know... For what we know about what happened, none of this stuff was ever. This, this stuff wasn't mentioned before, and I think uh, the the biggest, the bigger issue is that you know we can't put any any kind of credibility behind these stories because it's just a story. There's no no one. There's yeah. nothing attached to it beyond this guy's word and what he's printing in this book. So leaving it at that, like I I, I think if she did was that way and also i think knowing to josh's point knowing how they haven't worked in production before and worked with a variety of personalities it only take a few people for her to like cross wrong and then now all of a sudden it's a toxic work environment (laughs) so so, you know i think um, 2021 that's a good point exactly so you know what I don't know what what she did. It's not even specific what she did. No one says it just says toxic. No one says what well, what was she doing? Now if she was in if she was rude or something like that, that's okay. She's run she's a, a showrunner for HBO. 
I'm sure she's under a lot of stress on a daily basis. <laughs> so she might not be that interpersonal. But so I think it's a it's it's honestly, I think it's one of those things where, you know, possibly like Josh said, that they're trying to just kind of come at her for whatever reason or you know, maybe someone felt raw about it, about a, a interaction or several with her on set. And then when this guy come walking around getting interviews, they're like, hey, I know why that show was canceled, because Misha Green is a bad person. And oh, do tell. <laughs> you know? Yeah, this, this sounds like a CYA type of deal, uh, because yep. based off the original reasons for why it was canceled, which apparently based off this article weren't true. They basically can look back and you know say, well, see, we tried to give her a chance and she was toxic, so we had to take it away. Yeah. Again, I yeah. think she'll be okay. Um, yeah. But we all know how this game works, and not to go too deep in the rabbit hole, but I think she'll be fine. Yeah. It's not for us. It's a not news story because there's toxic people in the industry. We all either currently work or worked in the industry, and there's toxic people in the television and film industry that we hate. I was a key grip. I was a toxic person. <laughs> you know, so with that said, I can only imagine with a showrunner or somebody that's being backed by a big corporation such as HBO trying to push product because it doesn't at the end of the day, you know, we did we watched Game of Thrones and there was money pushed behind that and it was making a lot of money, even though the writing stunk after season five and they still <laughs> made it work. So to hear something that, oh, we're not going to pursue it because it costs too much money, I think. Yeah, right. That is exactly where I was going. Exactly where you just, where you go, where you, where you were headed is exactly where I was going. There are people who, who, and and what I mentioned before, to back up what I mentioned before, there are people who are terrible human beings who happen to be white men or white women who, you know, who, who get a pass because, you know, at the end, and here's the funny thing. When you're on set, to, to, to Cam's point just now, you know, when he was a key grip, he was a terrible person. I've been on television sets. They're not the most fun places to be in high stress. Uh, you know, the, the most, I don't want to say the most fun places. They can be fun, but then not everybody's going to be cordial when you have like a 14, 18 hour day, a 20 hour day, and you have to yeah. bang out what the content that you need to create for that day, and you're behind schedule or you haven't had lunch or you're going to have lunch, but it's, you know, it, you know, Depending lunch might be trash. Craft services yeah. might be garbage that day. Yeah. It could be any number of things that create, you know, and, 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 and I think D'Angelo can attest to this having been, having been a producer on a set, not every day on set is, you know, just, you know, peaches and, and, and cream and, you know, puppy dogs and, 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 and little kittens. And Cam said the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think um, I'm so. Uh, so the, this came from an actual uh, Deadline article, uh, Deadline.com. Uh, like they interviewed uh, the the author Miller, and I was like, just kind of look for the, one of the quotes. And the actual quote that he said was, "I think again, writing the book of of record with my reporting leads me to conclusion based again on numerous sources that the explanation of the show's cancellation was not what was reported. I think I have a duty to go there and make sure that I have it right and to do it." But I don't think I have the agency in the book to go on and on about it, uh, given the fact that no one was going to go on record for it. And mm-hmm. I think I think that actually is pretty good for on his point to say, yeah. like, yo, 
mad people told me some shit, but no one wants to go on record. So I can't really talk about it more than what yeah. they've given me. So you guys have to figure it out on your own or something like that. But and, that's like a and, half a book. Like if yeah. it, that's just so, so basically he wrote his it's book probably, on here. And that's, yeah. that's, and that's, that's probably like a chapter, right? Maybe no, like I, a think, chapter. I think that's probably like even less than a chapter of, of the yeah. book. It's probably uh, a, a section on that period which probably includes Lovecraft Country and a few others in in the conversation. Um I don't I don't think it's probably I would be surprised if I was wrong, but I doubt that that that, that topic is taken up more than a page or two of 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 that. Yep. Of, that, yep. of, his, of his overall book because it's if that's t- we're talking about HBO's ruthless pursuit of new 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 per- frontiers, that book is likely going all the way back to 1999 and talking about uh, like the heartless, yeah, and like a bunch of other stuff. Like, yeah, it's like That'd be amazing. Yeah, I doubt love, love her kind of probably factors into the new side of things, but um, and you know, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, it's an yeah. but you're yeah. right though. I think at the end of the day, it's like you know, there's a lot of passes that the uh, that the uh, white white cis males get. That's uh no one else does. So, yeah, man. so I hope I hope that this blows over. And I think it's one of those just like blips and then we all move on. Um, but hey, we'll, we we we'll, can can black people have assholes that are toxic too sometimes? I don't know. Hey, we, that, if that happens, we made it. We be equal opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I'm gonna wrap it up, but I'm gonna wrap it with more uh two things. One is gonna be we just had Thanksgiving, so we can have a little bit of a of a, a, a comment on your Thanksgiving, if you will, uh, good or bad. And then um, and then, two, I'm setting this up because I'm set it first. D'Angelo has been trying to tell me to watch the Chucky TV series for the last month and a half. One, I don't watch horror. Two, I could care less about Chucky yet. <laughs> Actually, no, I take the back. I care about Jennifer Tilly. She's the only one I care about in Chucky. So, D'Angelo, Why do you care about Jennifer Tilly? I wonder. She's hot. Okay. White, <laughs> white, 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 that? It's, it's white. It's white she devil, dude. You gotta have, you gotta have one. <laughs> You're clear. All right, D'Angelo, I put in two minutes on the clock. Convince me and go. Oh, wow. Two minutes <laughs> to convince you to watch Chucky. Okay. Well, look, you don't have to be a horror fan if you like comedy. I mean, there you go. It's very nostalgic, very 80s. It's like watching Stranger Things, The Goonies versus Chucky. Like, versus... And if you know Brad Dorff and you know that voice actor, you know that he does a great job as the voice of Chucky. But mainly, it's eight episodes. It's USA. It's a fun, like, show that you don't have to think about. You can literally throw it up in the background, and it's, like, nice really good story beats that don't take a lot to think about. You're just like, I'm like, oh, you're and continue to go back to doing something else. By the end of the episode, you're like satisfied, laughing, and ready for the next episode, but you're not like clamoring for it. So it's like a really good, fun, short series that kind of drums up a lot of nostalgia, especially if you like grew up watching some of the 80s horror and like all that stuff. Uh, but mainly it keeps it, there's nothing scary about it. Like it plays in that genre because that's obviously the genre that Chucky's in. But for the most part, it's all humor. <laughs> like I, I I, just, I wasn't going to watch it 
But then I just saw someone was like, oh, this show was actually fun. Because I thought it was stupid to have a Chucky series. I laughed at the idea of somebody walking into an executive office with a show for Chucky. <laughs> but then I watched it. And I was like, you know what? This is not bad. It doesn't take itself that serious. It knows what it does well, and it sticks to that. And there are not a lot of shows on there right now that does that well. Eight episodes, I'm I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. My pitch for Pretty good. One second left. Not bad. Not bad. All right. Cam, I want to also say, Jennifer Tilly's 63 years old, bro. (laughs) Hey, man. Yo, everybody needs their one white she devil, yo. She look and she looked good in that, in that show. Sixty three, though. Okay, hey, I'm like, you know, I Ming Na Win yeah. is what mid fifties. Michelle Yeoh is like, I'm telling you, a lot of these. Angela Bassett, how old is Angela Bassett? Sixty seven. <laughs> Jennifer Tilly doesn't look bad. She it looks. She actually she looks pretty good in in the series. Like she hasn't missed the. As she looks like just like she did before when she first first time she played the. the Ride a Chucky. Oh, so basically, she's just drinking her water. That's what you're saying. Basically, hydration. Okay. Yeah. I mean, oh, you know what? Here you go. Uh, Angela Bassett is also 63, actually. But yes. But yeah. You know, old ladies, they don't they out here. <laughs> that just uh, caught me off guard. Does not look like she's 63 years old. I just pulled. No, up she does yeah, she doesn't, but it, she doesn't I mean, even look like she's in her fifties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I said, I, she she's holding strong. I'm telling you, man, they're out here. That's the new. That's the new new. Um, all right, so we'll do final words, and then final words will be Thanksgiving themed. And uh, Cam, we'll Cam, we'll start with you. Okay, first of all, I just want to say uh, Thanksgiving in my house. I'm starting to have mixed feelings about it. It's like one of the last holidays that I used to really get behind. And, you know, but we also know that dark history of Thanksgiving. And, like, again, I'm not trying to make this a dark rabbit hole. Um, Cam had mentioned earlier about it's one of the few times to get together with family and whatnot. But not really. We got 364 other days to get with family if need be and have a good comb cooked meal. My uh, just like uh my disclaimer is like I don't get to have sweet potato pie or candy yams or candied sweet potatoes, excuse me, uh, <laughs> as often as other people. So it's the one time of the year that our community gets together and wants to make these bountiful dishes. And it's the one time we get together and we we eat to our heart's content at that particular time and eat those particular dishes. With that said, we know the gift and the curse of Thanksgiving, as what I like to call it. My Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving was uneventful. My daughter was sick. We didn't do anything. We went to Costco. We got a rotisserie. And like I said, we made chicken fajitas. So, and we were in bed at a reasonable time. Now, the one caveat I used to mention was uh, black folks and non-black folks eat the, the, the Thanksgiving dinner at different times. And I was mad confused by this. And I was thrown off when I went to somebody else's house and they was meeting mad early. And I was like, this ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> However, with that said, I've been on a little, I've been doing some intel and for the last five years, people tend to post their Thanksgiving plate pictures. Now, Everybody shouldn't post their Thanksgiving plate pictures because not all plates on Thanksgiving look the same. (laughs) I had a dude that come on here and I think he plays for the Patriots on Twitter. 
Who said mac and cheese is just cheese and noodles and it's overrated? And I said, who child is this? For real. <laughs> who raised this man? <laughs> now, granted, you, now, granted, valid question, you, sir. You, you can go Google Matt Judon and who's associated with will give you all the answers that you need to know because this man has probably been eating Kraft mac and cheese all his life and ain't had the real mac and cheese that was made by your grandma whose mm-hmm. arm's so fat that you can't all see bad. her elbows. That's the mac and cheese you need to have. Yeah, right, right. Uh, but again, everybody that posts their Thanksgiving party plates don't need to be posting their party plates because it looks like they're in poverty. They chicken look, <laughs> or they turkey look dry. <laughs> they mac and cheese, ain't mac and cheese, and it's got peas in it. Who in their right mind putting peas in mac and cheese? Don't go rogue on Thanksgiving, especially in the black household. Or you will get excommunicated out the family, or you'll yeah. be washing everybody's dishes. That's all I'm saying. That's my rant. <laughs> Not all Thanksgiving plates are equal. That's funny. <laughs> Again, if your if your the person in the kitchen arms ain't fat and you can't see her elbows, it ain't real. Don't come talk to me. <laughs> Cause you know the dessert be hitting. So that's it. Yeah, uh, my 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 Thanksgiving was it was good. It was good to see everybody. We got the fam back together, uh, and it was really fun. All the food was great. Everyone made their dishes. I laughed because like uh, everybody in my family can cook, and so I actually and I cook all the time, but I actually don't cook for Thanksgiving purely because it's another seventeenth chef. So I'm like, nah, I'm, I'll just when we, we need wine. I got you on wine. <laughs> get some whiskey. Get some whiskey. Whiskey is good too. Um, the one thing I would say is one of the, uh, the child, one of our, my nephew went rogue and I, I saw him and I was like, yo, Elijah, what are you eating? He's like a, uh, a cinnamon roll. I'm like, but it's Thanksgiving. There's like all this food. There. He's like, I don't want it. I don't want any of that. I just want a cinnamon roll. So this child was legit eating a cinnamon roll while everyone else was having Thanksgiving. <laughs> wow. More for everyone else. Wow. Can, can I ask you a quick question? You, you said everybody in your family can cook. In your family, my family, or, I'm saying or, my family. You gotta be clear. <laughs> or I'm not vouching for anyone else. Family. I am saying my family. I am not vouching on it for anyone your else. Your side of the family. Your side of the family. <laughs> I will go on record and say my side of the family. Oh man! I will not go on. Not will say anything else past that as to slander anyone else. I just, we have to put that on record. Right we have to get some clarification. Oh. Man. But but uh yeah yeah Thanksgiving was good. I'm glad I got to see everyone and kind of chill. So it was really good fun. Um Josh, how was your thanks? Mine was cool. Um uh to to buck ag- directly against what Cam just said, my we started at one, which is just com- I, 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 it's completely foreign to me because I've never had one of those. Uh but my brother and uh, his girlfriend um Hosted this year, and so it was her family, our family, and a few friends of the family that came in from out of town and pulled up from you know all reaches of New York, and it was good. It was good. It was to, there's some lemon pepper wet, lemon pepper wet boy. <laughs> oh man, so good, so so good, so so good. Um, but yeah, you know, we we did like there were there were hors d'oeuvres. There was like a, a a mini course before the main course, and all kind, all all manner of of uh, old people desserts. It was good. 
It was, it was old people made desserts, I should say. So okay, you're I was going to say, please define old people desserts. Whether <laughs> old, people, old, people, old, people, old people crafted desserts. Excuse me. Okay. Desserts. Uh, so came home. I'm still I'm still working on leftovers, and then I have friends. Oh, and then uh, uh, a good friend of mine had friends giving yesterday, where I was the only male, so it was wonderful. Just off top, before we even ate anything, I I was already great. <laughs> 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 Say less. <laughs> yep. you know I mean? So, so yeah, but not. But then the food was absolutely excellent. You know, it was it was a crowdsourced, crowdsourced situation. So everybody came through with the goods, and so I got like two sets of leftovers that I'm working on currently. Styrofoam or Tupperware? Say again. Styrofoam or Tupperware or Pyrex? Foil pans, my guy. <laughs> so you, you know you you didn't bring leftovers you brought whole dishes back yeah you brought, I, I brought i brought a large chunk of of each dish that i wanted back yes nice and it all fit into a large foil pan so basically nice. josh is saying he's got craft services from things i got craft, craft services for thanksgiving friends giving two uh yep also known as thanksgiving 2.0 Yes, sir. Uh, D'Angelo, how was your uh, Thanksgiving? I never understood Friendsgiving, but maybe that's just the type of person I am. But you, you hate you hate people, D'Angelo. <laughs> Isn't the yeah. one giving enough? But yeah, Friendsgiving. You know, you got your all alone. You got your fam. So you got your friends. You invite everyone over. That's Friendsgiving. It's it works. I guess if you say so. I, I, <laughs> when we had that, wait, 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 wait. When we have Friendsgiving amongst the squad, before everybody moved to like all all reaches of the universe, like that was a good day. That was a good day, and that was good food and good times around people, around good peoples. Yo, come on, man, stop, stop, stop being like that. No, you know, I, 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 my Friendsgiving happened like once every five or so years when I've gotten all the people worthy of a Friendsgiving in one place. Yeah. <laughs> and now they, and now they wow. can be, they can be in Friendsgiving along with, with, with me and I'll enjoy it. But no, I, I didn't really do a lot uh, for Thanksgiving. I just kind of chilled back, um, ate some good food, uh, hung out with you know my immediately my immediate family, my sister, her husband, um, my nephew, and my mother. Uh, saw a few family members, but pretty much just kind of chill. I think this year I wasn't interested in in being around a lot of people. I know Camden will say that I hate people, but you know it was more so just like me trying to uh, focus on some creative things and some meditative uh, stuff that I just didn't want to, you know. You only you get four days off of work. You gotta take them. Yep. <laughs> you know, like yep. sometimes spend a little, right. a little, take a little few hours to yourself. So, yep. you know, I, I just did a little bit of that and did some recreational stuff. And by recreation, I mean video game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, um, you know, I played. Um, they had Marvel, they being PlayStation had Marvel's Avengers on sale Black Friday for $15. And I had wanted to play it, but I'd kind of been told that it wasn't worth 
paying 60 bucks for so i just waited and yep then it was 15 over the weekend and i beat it over the weekend <laughs> i finished it yep. it was a really <laughs> simple uh fun to play as each avenger character and uh they did great with kamala khan i was happy so that was pretty much what how i spent thanksgiving yep so that's a 15 bucks well spent yeah good story yeah. um yeah i think uh Overall, like Thanksgiving, it was good. It was good to get to kind of, you know, hang with the folks. And, you know, my, my brothers are big into board games. So we're playing some board games and kind of doing that kind of stuff, too. So, yeah, it was nice. good. The, uh, the only thing was the uh, my younger brother makes uh, candied sweet potatoes <laughs> really, really well. And he usually makes two trays and only one tray was left out. So everyone thought there was only that much left. So people were actually rationing as they got their plate. Which is a good communal thing where I was like, yo, this is pretty yeah. good. Come to find out there's a whole nother trend. They're like, yo. Everybody took like uh like a lot home with them, by the way. But it was funny because and Cam Cam has been to my house too. My brother's um candy sweet potatoes uh are really, really good. They're probably one of my favorite dishes that ever anyone else there makes. But there was one year where like he legit made like a little <laughs> May I, may I may I may I may I tap in on this story? <laughs> so every year, um, my homeless ass, when did, that didn't go home, would be invited to the more residents for Thanksgiving, and uh, uh, the the candy yams was a big part of the reason why I was there, outside of the family and friends that I've grown accustomed to over the time. And then one year we saw one tray and one of the elders said, okay, we're going to get in line. I think this is what's happening. We're going to get in line by age and everybody's going to take a scoop. Wow. Wait, hold on, hold on. I'm not part of the family. And I made a ruckus about this. I was like, what? I was like, why? Wait, wait, hold on. What do you mean? One scoop. Like what part of it? Again, I could have been kicked out of the house for right, rightly so, but I felt like it was a swift injustice to have this, have that many people in here get one scoop. And then I looked at the, the person who made it and was like, why you make one damn tray, bro? You know how many times we've been, I think it was a, it was weird. It was a, it was a year that something was, it was like low and he couldn't make two trays for whatever reason. Oh wait! So this time you you had already tried it, so you were yeah. just like, "Why is it?" I'm mad because you were accustomed to one, limited. one scoop. Okay. Bruh, you can't have just one scoop in. <laughs> and they really made a rule on this, and I was again, if they if they did kick me out of the house like Uncle Phil did jazz, they had a right to do so. But I'm not even part of the family, and I took, I took, I took. I took this to the height, umpteenth power. I was like, I'm protesting. There's no way in hell you're going to have me just take one scoop and be satisfied. And lo and behold, we all took one scoop because that's what it was. It was crazy. Oh, that's, that's great. That's 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 hilarious. That's good stuff. <laughs> but the funny part is this past one, he made two. He, he learned. <laughs> like, he made two. It, yeah. Your protest never, did not go unheeded. Exactly. He never he never done he's never done that that particular incident again. It's always like almost extras. Um, I looked at him so and, crazy that year. Like, Bro, and to his and to his credit, actually, he even uh, made a vegan now, and it's actually tastes exactly the same. And probably like oh. less like a negative thousand calories that you probably would have got from before. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's that's dope. Uh, I, again, 
I've been to this house before. Somebody used to bring Tafurk and he got looked at crazy. But being <laughs> being from the black community, being from the black community, Ooh, I forgot about we, that we, one. We have, to eat, we have to try to eat better. So more props to, to your brother for making a vegan one that if you taste the same, no one's going to bat an eye. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. you're right. The to- I forgot about the tofurkey. That that was actually... That okay. tofurkey stood alone on a hill and died on a hill by itself oh, yeah. that year. Man. I like. Yeah. I came in, I was like, what is that? Just, just someone just shook their head and just kept doing what they were doing. <laughs> Man, those things don't even look... Uh, <laughs> don't even look like they taste mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Yep. Put it like this, D'Angelo. I brought ginger beer one year. Uh-huh. And I and I got looked at crazy. I was like, it's just ginger beer, like it's hit or miss. It's from I brought a six pack. I was like, y'all yeah, yeah. welcome to try it, but mm-hmm. it ain't for everybody. Yeah, ginger beer uh, is hitting. I I I, I don't, I don't understand. Uh, at the time I at the time I brought it, it was unfamiliar territory. It's yeah. water, juice, Martinelli's, soda, and all the the stuff you usually see. The ginger right. beer was a new thing, and they were just like they thought it was alcohol. It's like no, no, you got to try it. Mm-hmm. It was. And to those who are listening, if you, in my opinion, if you're gonna drink ginger beer, Fever Tree, in my opinion, hmm. is the best ginger beer. True. Just as, my as opinion. The as the Caribbean in the room, I will, I will endorse that. Store bought. Now, if you go to the spot, you know what you got to do. Say less. But if you go to the store, commercialized ginger, uh, Fever Tree ginger beer, in my opinion, is probably the best ginger beer you can get over the counter. You don't do the gosling nonsense. What, what can yeah. you just say? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, see, that's good. That's positive. All, it, see, all of us had a pretty decent one. It was no out of pocket stuff. No, uh, no keys. No keys in the mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and so um, yeah, no. I just want to say one thing. Uh, this didn't happen on Thanksgiving, <laughs> but the weekend before Thanksgiving, my neighbor's house burned down, and that was a. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Damn. It's not, it's, not <laughs> it's not really funny because they lost their house, the house, but just the saga of events, it's just kind of, you know. So, just a, the really quick, I'll just go over the gist of it. So, the early in the day, the house was on fire. The fire department comes, puts the house, um, puts the house, uh, puts the fire out. Then later that night at three o'clock in the morning, the house is like really on fire. Now now it's like engulfed in flames. Uh, so then, you know, my neighbor. So Cam, the look on your face. Yes. The, the two fires in one day. Like, yes. In one day. <laughs> one so place. Then my, my neighbor is running up to me and the dude don't have shoes on. He don't got nothing. But in his arms is a big 37 inch TV. So he runs up to me and he's uh, asks us to put the TV in the house. And then now he can't go back in the house because it's like scorched. Don't have any shoes on. So I'm like, oh man. So I give him the shoes off my feet. <laughs> and I'm like, not upset about this until I find out that the, because the reason that the first time it caught on fire was it was an electrical fire. And so when that happens, you're supposed to call the, you know, the uh, electric company and have them shut the electricity off until they can get in and assess, you know, what the hell's going on. Um, my neighbor comes back later that day, turns the TV on and all the power and then falls asleep. <laughs> and then the house just goes up in flames and like burns to a crisp. And 
The man didn't grab his wallet. He didn't grab no shoes, no jacket, but he got that TV. And I was just, <laughs> I'm like, man, what was going on in that TV? What was How old on? is this guy? <laughs> uh, he got to be in, he's definitely in his 50s, a little older probably. Probably a little older. Damn. It's just it's just one of those things. The stuff you see in certain in certain neighborhood. Let's just let's just say that. The stuff in certain neighborhoods. Like, we'll leave it at that. How your house how your house burned out twice? That's what like ain't the first time it's gone and then it just I don't to know. be fair, over the summer, the dude lit the whole backyard on fire. So you know, I'm at this point, I'm just surprised. Oh, I forgot about he that. Killed everybody. Yikes! Yikes! Damn! I mean, what to say about that? <laughs> yeah. say besides hearing D, hearing D tell that story about the about the backyard getting lit on fire. D is not a violent person, but he legit was like, yo, I want to punch that dude in the face so bad. <laughs> right, police? So. Like, start burning leaves and like left the flame and it's a windy day. Like it's one of those Midwestern, like we're getting the wings from Chicago coming into, into the St. Louis area and like picking things up. So as soon as I saw the, the flame, the fire, I'm like, Oh, that ain't good. And then, then, like, literally, I asked him, I was like, man, you're watching that? You got that under control? Fast forward, like, an hour later, I I can smell the smoke. I'm in my, I'm in the basement. I can smell the smoke. So I go out, and all all I see is black smoke heading, like, pushing towards the front of the house. And I was just like, oh, man, this dude, he did it. He didn't, he's lit the entire, he still (laughs) filled a fire. It was scorched earth. Literally, like I'm not even that is, it was scorched earth. And he tried to put it out by running in the house and grabbing buckets of water and then going back outside and throwing it onto the entire backyard. What instead of calling the fire department, instead, instead of, of getting, calling the fire department, instead of at least until the fire department get there, a hose not <laughs> run into the house, it's the fire department is two blocks over. <laughs> The you see neighbor this uh this okay. this concludes D tells the story <laughs> join us next time <laughs> for the next installment <laughs> of the uh fire starter neighbor <laughs> man that dude is fire marshal bill man i'm telling you for those of you who don't know <laughs> too young to know who Yikes. fire marshal bill was in living color jim carrey character the dude was supposed to be the solution, but he was actually the problem. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, and on that note, this is a table of truth. <laughs> Blurred Lines Edition, and we out. Peace. <laughs> Stay away from dry turkey. <laughs>